0: What's up, Phil Toronto here, Tartar Project, episode 27, lucky number 27 for somebody in the world, I don't know, it's Tuesday again, I just know that. Or it's another day, whenever you're listening to this. Today, uh, we went a little bit of a different route than we've been going. Um, we've had a bunch of people that are building brands as companies, and we're taking a step over into the other side, the creator side today, with someone that's building their personal brand. And that is the brand that they have been crafting for years and years and years through creativity. Today, we have Sarah Dishi, rhymes with peachy. I mean, her tagline is proper, so that's fantastic. We cover everything from how she got started, the bubble she grew up in Texas, and just tips on how to stay inspired when you're a creator because it's your job, it's your passion, so it does have a tendency to get a little overwhelming and stale and how to kind of curb that and, and move past it. We had a really fun time riffing on what works for her in terms of what kind of content she's putting out, and how authenticity for her is actually important to staying inspired and pushing through and just putting more out there into the world because she likes it, not necessarily because she thinks she should create that content, if that makes sense. It will once you hear her say it. She is much more eloquent than I am in this intro. It was also the first time sitting down in a proper podcast studio setup gave me a lot of ideas about what I could be doing better. So, thank you Sarah for inspiring me there along with other things. Twitter gets a lot of love in this episode, you'll hear about that. But let's actually let's talk more about you. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first episode of the Tartar Project, welcome. I'm Phil. Nice to meet you. If it's your 27th episode, a we've been through some shit, huh? Thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. I know I say this every week, but I I genuinely couldn't thank you enough for just giving me what I think is the most valuable asset in the world, which is time. So thank you. And now I'm going to ask you to go a little bit of an extra mile. Give me five stars on iTunes if you can. Tell your friends about the Tartar Project. Like, subscribe, follow me on Spotify, put me on a playlist, whatever, whatever. Anyway, you know my spiel by now, and you're going to hear it at the end of the episode anyway. So without any more blabbering on my part, I think I said blabbering two weeks in a row. So you're welcome. Let's get to Sarah.
1: What a world. So there's a good first five minutes of your podcast.
0: Great. Are we recording? We're recording. Oh, amazing.
1: Boom. We're in it. We're ready. There you go.
0: Seth, this is going to be a really interesting one for you to edit. We've never just <laughs> dove right in like that. Oh, hi,
1: Seth. How, hey, are, Seth. You, how are you doing, Seth? <laughs> I know Seth.
0: So I guess we'll take a couple steps back. I, I don't know how this is going to edit out, but we are on episode, carry the two, I believe this is going to be 27 of the Tartar Project. Nice. I am sitting in the lovely studio of Sarah Dietschy. And I did say that correctly. Yeah, you I, did. I've watched a, a couple YouTube Sarah videos. Sara
1: rhymes with peachy.
0: And there is a glowing, and this doesn't translate on audio as well, there's a glowing neon sign of a peach in (laughs) Mm -hmm. the background. It's glorious. It's fantastic. Good
1: for the ambiance.
0: Sarah, thank you for doing this. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you for hosting me in your podcast studio. This is the first time I'm recording in a podcast Mm -hmm. studio. So that's exciting Mm -hmm. for me. Um, For the audience, and you probably heard in the intro and everything, um, I wanted Sarah on. I don't normally have people that have built a personal brand on. I've had maybe two Total. So you are lucky number three. It's an honor. So top three for sure. Um, she has a really interesting start. I'll let her tell that. Yeah. But I just like to have you on because you're the de facto for whenever some piece of technology comes out. I go yeah. to your channel to see if you oh,
1: actually reviewed you. it yeah. first. A lot of stuff already coming out. And Everywhere. It's the winter. Usually it's the fall, but so many Samsung phones out, the new Z Flip, the folding. Folding screen phones are so in right now. So it's finally getting interesting again with phones.
0: I'm only three minutes in, but I still don't know whether or not I'm going to buy the new MacBook Pro. Oh, But don't don't spoil it. Don't spoil it for me.
1: I could sit here and talk about that for the whole podcast if you want.
0: That's very telling.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe
0: I will. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to take even more steps back now. We're walking this full episode, Mm -hmm. but where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Dallas, Texas, so I'm a southerner living here in New York City, so I've been in New York for four years, um, and what drew me here was the way I grew up was very, it was a great little town outside of Dallas, um, and it was a good bubble, you know, had the dad went to work, mom stayed at home, Um, school was, I played basketball, I was in a band, um, everything was very safe seeming, right? And I thought I was going to be in Texas for my entire life because when you grow up in the suburb, it's kind of all you know. Mm-hmm. And then I visited New York City when I was a senior in high school. My meemaw gave me, <laughs> that was her uh, high school graduation present. for, for grandma. grandmother. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> meemaw, it's meemaw daddy bail. Vale. Um, and she, uh, for my high school graduation present, I was like, hey, let's take a trip to New York with you and your mom. I was like, okay, cool. I mean, didn't think anything of it. And I got there and was just in awe of the buildings, of the energy, of the people. It was nothing like I had seen. Uh, keep in mind, up until that point, I had the only major traveling I've done, I went to Europe once. So I had never seen like a major city outside of Dallas. Yep. <laughs> so that was insane for me. So after leaving that trip, so that was in 2012, or, yeah, 2012. Um, so glad they decided to do construction right when we pressed record. Thank you, New oh, York City. I, fr- I actually <laughs> forgot
0: to tell you. <laughs> I primarily record during construction Good situations. Okay. Refrigerators, construction. Uh, I think last week, I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't hear the edit of the episode yet, but there were... It seemed like a gaggle of school children screaming outside of the window uh you so we the you're basement of a it. restaurant. Yeah, it's it's character.
1: Good. Okay. Yeah. So glad that the your listeners audience love can it. handle that. Good. Good good good. They they
0: <laughs> they joke and say how shitty it sounds in the comments, but, but it's just a joke. Joking. Yeah, yeah, it's a joke.
1: I see as a YouTuber, I totally, totally resonate with that. People are joking <laughs> with me all the time.
0: And the sarcasm comes out. (laughs) They're also used to that, too. So like, we're right at home. We're good. good.
1: Um, But yeah, so that's what attracted me to New York was just, holy smokes, I have never seen anything like this.
0: And what kind of band were you in?
1: Ooh, that's such a good question. Okay, so I had two bands. Amazing. So I've played electric guitar like my entire life. Um, I was a big basketball player. And when I realized that, oh, my gosh, I'm not growing beyond my 5 five-ness, I had to find something new. Right. Um, so I... Took guitar lessons since like sixth or seventh grade, but once I got to high school, it was like it's time, it's time to be in a band. So I had like a rock band where we would play in Deep Elm Dallas for the two people who know what Deep Elm is. Uh, we play at the Profit Bar and we would have the X's on our hands because we edge? were yeah we were like fifteen years old got playing it. in bars. Right.
0: Not straight edge, just wildly underage. <laughs> no, just
1: wildly <laughs> <Yeah>. underage. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> wow well. um and so it was so fun coming to school the next day with like x's on her hands feeling so cool i played a show yeah man <laughs> so we were like rock pop. Um, We have one EP out there. We were called The Bad Habits. Amazing. Yeah. So it was like two worlds of that. And then I also played in like my church band. So it was like two different worlds. Exactly. Exactly. So on the week, you know, it was like a mega church in Dallas, Texas of like 4,000 people a weekend. That's where you Um, really cut your teeth though. Exactly. Yeah. But that was pretty crazy because at an early age, I learned how to just be like super chill in front of people. And, you know, I'd be the band leader where I'd be talking into people's in-ear monitors of like, okay guys, count into the next song, one, two, three, you know. So I I think I learned a lot of my leadership skills at a young age there because when you're in that type of environment, they, you know, they need pretty much all the help they can get. So if they see like a freaking 14-year-old, 15-year-old taking up some sort of responsibility, they're gonna be like, okay, do this. Okay, do that. It's exhausting, Gets you a little burnt out. I get it. But it, it formed me to who I am today. Just got you on
0: the, the creativity path. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. I love that. So that helped a lot. So I was very busy in high school. <laughs>
0: that sounds like it. <laughs> it was it. a little yeah.
1: chaotic, but um, I, I'm grateful I was focused on like creative pursuits starting at a young age because um, it really gave me a head start. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah.
0: I have recently tried to take guitar back up. Nice. I played in high school as well. Nice. My band was True Beauty's Dead. And it had you can, can speak in Oh the my life, god. Yeah, it was it was
1: Please tell me you were a screamo band
0: we were a screamo band yes. hardcore slash screamo we had a dedicated screamer yes.
1: i love it yeah. like one of my favorite bands was like under Earth. Oh. and they had they had the dedicated well, screamer and the singer Aaron and it was Gillespie. also christian rock yeah. Yeah. you had everything exactly i was like mom i should be allowed to listen it's to okay. this It sounds
0: really brutal but trust me it's beautiful exactly it's beautiful yeah oh
1: my gosh did you guys play shows and stuff
0: we played shows <laughs> we played shows and uh Shout out to Jane Kim, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got me into emo and pop punk and rock and yeah. everything.
1: There was such a school. good scene. I mean, like Devil Wears Prada, mm-hmm. Scary Kids, Scaring Kids, yeah. Paramore. I mean, they weren't screened, had... but Haley Williams was like my hero okay. growing up. Like, wait, what's this past tense? Yeah. yeah, still. She just released a solo album.
0: Oh, did she? Yeah.
1: Oh, you need to listen to that. I can't wait. I should have used my fancy. You can hook up your phone to this thing. Oh. The road pro caster, whatever the hell it's called. Um, and so you can play stuff from your phone.
0: Sarah is a true creative and content creator, so she has way cooler toys <laughs> than I do. So I've like I've <laughs> spent the past ten minutes just going around, ooh, what's this? Like, what's, what's this? That? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you're leading the band in mm-hmm. your mega church <clears throat> rock scenario. Yeah. And <laughs> Did you, did you think you were going to take your music career and that's what you were going to do? Like, where, where did you go from high school?
1: What's funny is I was pretty delusional about it where I was like, I'll move to Nashville. I'll be the lead guitar player of Taylor Swift. Can't be that hard. Like, let's go, you know, it's just country, but I can learn, I can learn how to play with a slide, you know? Um, and then like half of me was like, or I can just, you know, maybe go with the band, do the band route, but, uh. It was always fun the, when it turned into, oh, I wonder if I can make money from this. That's why I uh, pursued electrical engineering in college because I was so into the gear side of things. I, I had the pedal boards, I had the guitars, I had the tube amps. It was very interesting to me like how those things were made. Um, so I was like, okay. It's a good backup plan if maybe I can still be involved with music, but maybe like making instruments and stuff like that. That's why I got into EE. Um, but then something I've always done that I totally recommend to people is if you're studying something or you think you're interested, you're starting to learn get like an internship get a job get something that has to do with that industry because the first year I got a job at Earhart Electronics it's in Arlington Texas outside of Dallas Cowboy Stadium and uh, it's right by UTA where I the only school that would give me a scholarship for <laughs> electrical engineering shout out, <laughs> shout <yeah>. out. <laughs> it's like I'm not going broke for this you're still paying yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I I had that job and it was so funny cause I was, I was learning during the day, resistors, transistors, calculating voltage around a circuit, all this stuff. And then it would directly apply to, you know, all of the electronics that I was fixing at my job. And I so quickly figured out, oh my God, this is awful. Yeah, I hate this, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I want to play the guitar. I want to mess around with amps. I don't want to fix them and build them. This is the worst. So that's how I quickly discovered, um, that I was like, I love music, but I don't think I can do anything with it professionally. And I think a lot of people have that moment where it's like, it'll always be a part of you. It'll always maybe be like a hobby or something. I mean, I even, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Phil. when I was freshman, sophomore in college, and I was so ready to get out of Texas, cause I was still in the Dallas area. Um, I had a friend who lived in Nashville. So I had visited Nashville a few times. <clears throat> and I was like, that seems like a, like an easy transition. Yeah. I should live in that. Like a lot of musicians, I could make it work. This is when I had this like music licensing idea. So I bought a URL for $1,500 for musichustle.com. Still have it, have it. Yeah. haven't it. have done anything with it. Yet. I Yet. <laughs> no, I've. I've, come to terms with I will never do anything with it that's why I can talk about it (laughs) yeah of course so that's how funny I was and the uh, essentially the full sins that I was putting out into the world at such a young age where I was like I'll just move to Nashville there's a ton of music people there I'll finish my comp sci degree at Belmont and I'll start a multi-million dollar music licensing company, musichustle.com, without any music industry connections. Done. I'll just do that. I'll make some content around it. I made music videos well, hustle's for Hustle's in the name, so obviously <laughs> exactly, you're gonna do it. Exactly, exactly. And then the YouTube thing popped off, and so I got a little distracted, and um, Music Hustle, rest in peace, never became a thing. Now we have Epidemic Sound, Artlist of the World, so I'm glad someone's solving that problem, but moment of silence for Music Hustle. If you would like to acquire this domain, email me.
0: Or email me and I'll, I'll broker something. <laughs> exactly. I,
1: there you I go. I can
0: get in touch with Sarah if you need.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, you mentioned YouTube and obviously mm-hmm. that's a big part of your life now. What, what got you creating videos in the first place?
1: It's funny. It all comes back to music. In 2011, I needed to sell my uh, full-tone Soulbender fuzz pedal. It was the version with the Germanian transistor uh, transistors, which you know had a warmer tone. So I had to show people. Of yeah. course, right? Yes. So Nuances. Um, exactly. It's all all about that. So the gearpage.net was where I frequented every day selling and buying guitar gear, seeing what was, you know, people, the 1966 Fender Bandmaster, that was like the best amp all of a sudden. So of course I bought that used on the thing and I flipped it later for like 300 more dollars. Fantastic. Anyways, I needed to sell the pedal. And I was like, this YouTube thing allows you to upload videos, put a link somewhere and people can watch me playing this pedal. My dad had like a Canon T3i that I had been editing before that, but I had never really filmed. So I was like, this will be fun. It'll just be like a fun little project for me. I made a video about the pedal, posted it to the site. I sold the pedal, had like a hundred views, didn't think about it, moved on with the rest of my life. So that was 2011. And like 2012, I went back to the video and it had like 10,000 views. I was like, "What is going on? This is what I didn't even I didn't even know I made this public. I thought it was like unlisted. Right. And I put the link there, um, and then that was kind of the aha moment of, oh, YouTube is built on the world's largest search engine. People are seeking out this paddle. They want to know what it sounds like. Interesting. So for the next few years, from 2011 to 2015 um it really became my dump for just things I was interested in and literally I was like oh I went to uh it's so funny I always judge Taylor Swift so much I thought she was like I, I just never enjoyed her music and then she put out the Red album and I was like
0: oh that changed everything for you
1: interesting and she came to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium so I went to the concert there and I just filmed it on my phone and that got like 50,000 views. And I got I got like uh, 200 subscribers from that. So my it was such an interesting first four years on the platform, because I would post the most random things. Uh, it would be like a camera review, a Taylor Swift concert, me playing guitar, me filming my friend doing something weird. And I just slowly built up this weird audience of like, okay, 500 subscribers. And then once I got to there, I was like, okay, this video thing is obviously thing. I've been editing for over 5 years. Let's actually challenge myself. I made a docu series called Creative Spaces TV. Um, cuz I was so obsessed with MTV Cribs. I was just like, I want that <laughs> who for wasn't, Who yeah. wasn't, right? Yeah. I'm like, Yingying yin
0: twins still to this day. Yeah, dude.
1: <laughs> 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 and you know what was so frustrating about that is I I've, I've said this before, but I hated that they showed you what was in like 50 cents refrigerator. Now that makes sense. I now know that, you know, he owns a chunk of vitamin water, so of course he's going to show Oddly off This enough, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I want to see his recording studio. I could care less about his refrigerator. So that was kind of the attitude I brought into that docu series and that was 2014 when sharing creative process wasn't that cool. Um so that kind of got my start in more elevated content. I would say. Um, But that was just such a fun passion project for me where everything I made on my YouTube channel up until 2016, up until, you know, me accumulating thirty five hundred subscribers in the span of, um, you know, five years um, was kind of just like one video that was super random, but hey, it was fulfilling to me. And then one video that would maybe reach beyond my audience. Hey, guys, I'm unboxing the Canon 70D. Let's do a camera test. Let's go out in my world and show it off. So, um, so yeah, that it was a weird start, but I think a lot of people who are successful in it now very rarely are like, I wanna do that for a living. And then they start. We kind of there, you know, there's serendipity, there's luck involved totally. of me. Being obsessed with making videos and then the timing with YouTube was just beautiful. Yeah, you know? it just worked out. It just worked out.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, but it does sound like you took almost a different approach to this new part of your life where you were very passionate about it, very committed to it, but you didn't do that like switch on, like all in, right. like, kind of like let it be fun, see how it yeah, evolved. And definitely. do you feel like that kind of contributed to the the growth and, and mm-hmm. what got you to actually get in the habit and not- kind of just mm-hmm. not implode but just yeah. walk away be like ah maybe this isn't it.
1: So, I feel like a lot of my life you could describe as oh, taking a big leap, but I think if you peel back the curtain, you see a lot of the time it's it's like a calculated risk. Never am I going into something that I have no idea what I'm doing. Even New York. Uh before moving to New York, I didn't just have that initial um, you know, trip when I was a senior in high school, but I had jobs in New York, like video jobs. So I would do a recap video for Adobe that was like in a cool place, uh, like in a museum in New York. And I, I had reasons to come up here and like build a community before I moved. So when I moved, it wasn't cold turkey, right? So that's the same thing with YouTube where I had been really experimenting with my own style and figuring out what I actually enjoy, which is pretty important um because you know when that viral video happened in 2016 that eventually led me you know to Casey's circle which in return Gary's circle and that's kind of how all of these relationships how we're sitting here today happen before that there was many years of building up to that right um and I think that's what's so important is you hear these stories. Oh, I dropped out and blah, 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 blah. Everything Uh, worked
0: out from the get-go. It was really hard, but I did it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Hard work is all you need. Yeah. Um, It was just
0: all up and to the right. Exactly. Easy.
1: Exactly. Um, But it's like, okay, when I was a, um, let's see, junior in college, and I was like, (laughs) it was getting to the moment where, one, I was running out of scholarship money because – they expected you to maintain a 3.5 GPA as an engineering major impossible mm-hmm. so I knew that wasn't gonna last and I was like I don't have any you know I had for full transparency yeah. I had 15k in my college account which seems like a lot of yeah. money It's yeah. like it's not Live right? up right? your life. I know yeah. right <laughs> that was my thinking in high school but when my parents were like look this is you know this is what the Coke stock that your grandparents have been giving you for Christmas every year has turned into, I was like, oh, 15K. No problem. Rich. Rich. And I knew, okay, I need to, I really tried hard in school, got a good ACT score, graduated top 10%. So I had that scholarship. But it's crazy how that, you know, even if you have a scholarship, you have to buy books, you have to buy all these things. So I found myself junior year of college being like, oh, I'm out of money. (laughs) So all of these things, and of course in those past three years, I was like working for a production company. I was doing all these like side hustle things for video where I knew video was what I wanted to do. But I'm telling you, I would do the most like, I knew Adobe had a conference, um, Adobe Max, where they would give student pricing. So it was only 300 bucks and I knew they were giving out um, a huge, they don't do this anymore, but every year they would give out a huge piece of tech. So the year before was literally a Microsoft Surface computer so it was like okay wow tickets $300 for college I have someone I can stay with in LA the the gift that they give well probably I could flip it on eBay and I can probably just pay for my plane ticket right and that I was always trying to like go to conferences meet people um and turns out so I I go to the conference meet a lot of amazing people they give out literally a Fujifilm XT2 $800 camera, put it on eBay, sell it for $800 the next day. Actually made money by going to that conference. Um, No big deal. Yeah. And then that is where I discovered about the Adobe Creative Residency. So, so much serendipity comes into play when you just put yourself out there. You put yourself in those situations. And that's where uh, I went to. And I was a video creator in a session about book publishing. I I wanted to make a coffee table book one day. Yeah. But in hindsight oh my gosh, thank goodness I was in that uh, session because that's where uh, the current Adobe resident was giving a thing. So she mentioned it. Uh, Five minutes in, I was like, oh, okay. That, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to drop out of college. (laughs) So
0: now um, the switch turned on. Exactly, yeah. So that's when the yeah. switch turned yeah. on.
1: And so there is, you know, a little bit of risk because applications didn't open until seven months later. <laughs> but I was able to, I literally, I was like, hey, I have this series called Creative Spaces TV. You're in Austin. I'm in Dallas. I'm gonna drive down. I'll make a video on you. Look, look how good they are. They're great. Handed her my card. Um and later, later in the day, she tweeted me. It's like, hey, so cool that um I met you today. Uh, one of Adobe's community managers tweeted out today that they need like a video creator to film a recap in Nashville where I was living at the time. So she connected me me to this Adobe community manager. And I was like off to the races. I was reverse engineering what a resident should look like. And for the next seven months was created a blog everyday sharing process, two videos a week on YouTube. And I was like, okay, I didn't tell anyone that I'm dropping out in hopes okay. of getting this crazy residency put yeah, in my you brain. Knew, you knew what
0: was gonna happen. Yeah. Shout out to Twitter too. <laughs> that, I mean, that's how I met Gary.
1: <laughs> I literally I could make an entire two hour video on the value of Twitter.
0: Maybe we should.
1: I mean, let's Twitter. Tell me, how did you meet Gary through Twitter?
0: I had I had an aftermarket Japanese car parts business. <laughs> I sold them on the internet.
1: What? Yeah. Were you in New York at this time? Where were you? New Jersey. Okay.
0: Yeah. Jersey I friend? ran it out of my dorm room and I sold them online. So it was e commerce. And I followed Gary on Twitter, probably 2009 ish. He had two very big things going for him. He was from New Jersey, big check for me. And he also just tweeted about e commerce. And when my business failed, he tweeted out a link to Craigslist that was a job posting for Vayner Media wow. at the time. Yeah. Wound up being tied to an MTV reality show, whatever, whatever, here we are.
1: (laughs) What was the MTV reality show?
0: It's called Hired.
1: You're kidding me. Yeah. So you were. Lasted for
0: four episodes, but mine aired, so it was pretty sick. (laughs)
1: Hold on. So there's an episode of you working for VaynerMedia as an intern going in. in
0: Oh, just applying. And I was the only one still lived at home. Oh, yeah, so that got played up. Yeah, we'll talk about that another time
1: Oh, is this on YouTube somewhere?
0: I don't know it. I think they took the page down but the videos out there. It's (laughs) mortifying
1: I mean, that's phenomenal. You'll find it. That's phenomenal. Like so many of My working relationships and friendships and people in the industry Literally just comes from Twitter. I'm like it is my LinkedIn. I think People go to LinkedIn for business relationships, but then they just end up scrolling like it's Facebook. Twitter, I have literally fostered like relationships for life there. And it started with one tweet. Incredible. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Probably do that video. Yeah. I know. (laughs) I want to make like a tree where it's like, this was Sarah in 2011. Let's start.
0: Let's do that. I met
1: this person on Twitter, this person on Twitter. That would be interesting. Done. Done. Earmark that. You're marked.
0: So jumping back <laughs> after <laughs> our, our love <laughs> affair with Twitter, um, you got, I mean, th- is the spoiler that you got the residency? Yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah.
1: Seven months later, later, I got the residency. And it was, it was, you know, one of those things where, again, just things really, it's like the serendipity of life when. First of all, I was lucky enough to like be born in the bubble in Texas and have parents that supported me. And even, I mean, when I dropped out of college, I think parents are allowed to be a little nervous, right? I understand that. Yeah. Totally. They were, but once I was like, hey, look, I have this production job and it's like, even if I'm not making YouTube, I'll be fine. I can pay my $600 rent in Nashville. Okay. I wasn't living good, in New York. Yeah. We're good. We're fine. Um, But right when I was doing the final interviews for the Adobe residency is when I made a super viral video where it took me from 4,000 subscribers to 100,000 in um, span of a month. Wow. And so it's so funny because during that final interview, I'd already done multiple phone interviews with Adobe. One of the guys walked in and was kind of like mimicking the video, kind of like making fun of it and, and basically being like, do you even want this anymore. Like, what's the point? Like, do you? And I was like, oh, uh, more than anything yes, in the world. Than, you don't realize I've been preparing. For <laughs> this is past. just really working out for me right
0: now. <laughs> exactly. it's like, let me live.
1: Exactly. I'm like, you don't realize this would be the perfect opportunity of having an audience, having funding. I can figure this out. Um, so yeah, spoiler, got the residency. That's Five what years
0: to an overnight success.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's what got me to New York because I automatically had this job, like reoccurring revenue every month. I didn't know what it was like to have paychecks every two weeks. That yeah. was new for me. Yeah, that's nice. Um yeah. So I thought I was on the top of the world. And then I came to New York with my with my, you know, new sparkly salary. And then I realized, oh, okay a different ballgame. It's game. a little more expensive it's here. A, yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is a little different. So my first apartment is where I got broken into when Ooh. I was literally there in the so-called kitchen. That's um, terrifying. I was on the phone with my mom and literally a dude with a big piece of wood was broke the first layer of glass um, through my fire escape window. So that was fun. I had Probably mice. the
0: worst person to be on the phone with in that scenario.
1: <laughs> literally oh. all she heard, heard was like, oh shit! Oh my god! I hung up. And then she just didn't. Yeah. She didn't know for like two hours because oh I called my the gosh. cops. Right.
0: Yeah. And you're dealing with. Oh, man. <sighs>
1: yeah. And then I had mice.
0: Yeah. I but had then, mice. hey,
1: after that year was when I ate sweet cream salad every single day because I could afford it.
0: I mean, that that's so that, that was, was the, big the goal. I don't know was if you we were recording ultimate, when we were yeah. talking about that, but
1: that was the ultimate success story. It was like, I'm going to get off of my PB&J and oatmeal diet and I'm going to eat me a 13 dollar salad every day. So I've arrived. Really, I peaked. Yeah. And it's just all downhill from now. This is an <laughs> uh,
0: in-memoriam
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> episode <laughs> where you're looking back on your career. She, she's hanging up the cameras like exactly. she's done. No more content. Exactly. <laughs> so during the residency, when, and you, you mentioned it before, when did like the real big break come? Yeah. Like And yeah. what what led to that? And who's Casey? Yeah, who's Casey? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so Casey Neistat was a vlogger at the time that had just hit uh, 1 million subscribers. So I had, it's so funny, cause I actually discovered Gary on that first video that he was in on Casey's channel when he first started vlogging and everyone hated him in that video. But that was such a fun thing for me. Cause I'm like, well, who is this like loud dude with you know 90,000 subscribers on YouTube? He was the first person that ever gave me the validation that I could drop out of college. So that Casey vlog that he was in and they were arguing about college and Casey was kind of for it because he didn't have it. And Gary was literally like, you're joking, right? Like, you know, you don't have to go to college. And when he said that, I felt like he was talking straight yeah, looking straight right to eye. me. And that's when I really got the validation of like, I had never thought that I didn't have to finish college. Right. I was like. It's just what you do. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And that was probably late twenty fifteen. So it wasn't that long ago. But still my mindset was like, you just have to. Like yeah. it doesn't matter if you have to go into debt after I the scholarship. Like, I'm yeah. gonna come back to yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. This is temporary. Yeah. So that was super fun for me. For that was my first uh, you know, sighting of Gary too, because so many people thought he was like like too high energy but that's exactly what I needed to hear like literally that energy exactly what he said and I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna drop out and so fast forward you know a few months later I made a viral video about Casey Neistat about his like vlogging style and stuff and that's when I went from 4,000 subscribers to a hundred thousand at that time um now I'm like 573 I think um and that yeah 574 Fi- oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and that's when I was kind of off to the races. And uh, Gary was the first person I emailed where I knew they were homies. And um, I was still living in Nashville at the time. I just said I lived in New York. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. I, I, knew, I knew I was going to move to New yeah. York. I'll figure it out, right? Yeah. Um, and I emailed him with a really good email subject. And I was like, girl from viral Casey Neistat video. And I was like, yo, I want to be on your show. You can be on my show. Let's make this happen. I just made this viral video about Casey. We have the same amount of subscribers. Because that was fun. You know, it was all about providing value. Of course. And we had the same exact following all of a sudden where I had good views. We each had 100,000 subscribers. Um, and so that he, he emailed me five minutes later. It was like 11 p.m. at night. Um, linked to me with Andy or Tyler or one of them. And um, yeah, we made it happen. I like flew up to New York and it worked out because I was like nominated for a Shorty Award as all well, which is crazy. It all was happening at the same time. Um, and so did I was show. did you show. mention yeah.
0: that you lived in New York?
1: I was literally just like, when does this work? And I'll make it happen. Totally. Like, I don't care. <laughs>
0: that's like, that's the right attitude. Yeah. It's like, always book the plane ticket, always just go and yeah. don't make excuses for yourself. And- exactly. It'll mostly work out, or you'll just learn a lot. And sure, it can yeah. be expensive. Of course, it's expensive to book a plane ticket and yeah. accommodations, and everything, but you should go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I always found friends that were there to stay in apartments and stuff. Um,
0: Probably through Twitter.
1: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so that was super fun because that honestly, that's when I made a lot of good friends too. Like that's the first time I met India, and she's like a lifelong friend now. Um, we literally hung out in Nashville like right after that. She was coming with a group of like Chattanooga Vayner people, and we had like such a fun weekend in Nashville. That's when I met Drock and Andy, and I don't know if Tyler was in there then. I don't know, but um. That's when I, you know, got to be friends with them and it was, it was so fun and there are so many experiences like that beyond Gary where I had these little moments in New York that I was like, dude, I have to be here. Like, I just have to, you know, Makes it's sense. being being in the center of everything that I want to be involved with, not just like content, YouTube And being in traffic, because that would be LA. Right. Awful. (laughs) (laughs) I love the feeling of like walking to places and using the subway and 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 physically being on an island that you're like forced on top of each other. So you're gonna be rubbing shoulders. You're gonna bounce into people that are doing stuff, you yep. know, and even I mean, honestly, do you think this podcast would happen if I lived in the Hollywood Hills and you lived in Santa Monica? No, no one, no one not wants to drive easily. that, not as easily, <laughs> not right? As easily, yeah. So it's stuff like that where I really enjoy New York for it's so funny. Everything comes back to New York, yeah, but yeah new york and twitter new york and twitter that's <laughs> all you really need guys
0: pretty much yeah. there, there's move the move here make sure you have an account before and after. yeah now
1: you gotta have two million subscribers so <laughs> that's okay that's,
0: that's fine the goals like it's good
1: exactly that's exactly good.
0: so you Fair went yeah. you went viral like you, mm-hmm. you got your hit yep what where'd you go from there like the, what yeah. did you hone in a little bit more on the subject matter the videos you were creating like what what was that mm. process for you
1: What's so funny is I did the exact opposite of what I should have done. So the the immediate uh, response was great because I've always been very strategic in that um, I was, God, that outside noise. Oh, Seth, don't worry Just about edit it. that out, Seth. You, you got this. You yeah. got this. He'll mention it to me. I was like, <laughs> there was a significant
0: amount of background noise. I did my best because he's amazing. But yeah.
1: Just if I had that curtain installed anyways. Mm. Um, it was one of those things where I, I had always been pretty strategic with videos that uh, reach beyond my audience where I, I knew I had like a good video in my pocket to release right after it. So um, I had a new season, season two, I think of creative spaces TV my docuseries about creators and their spaces how they do what they do so I was like okay I can't this Casey audience seems pretty stoked I mean hello it's the first year he's vlogging you know I had been watching him before that but he had found this new audience of like a million people who want to see his everyday crazy he has all these quirks I'm like if I exploit that and I I'm a fan so it'll be a nice video but if I make a parody of that and I do a big call to action at the end. The end was like, everyone tweet with the hashtag this, make sure he sees it. And then I have a new season of Creative Space TV coming out this Thursday, subscribe, hang out. So it was very like, I was preparing for people to watch this video. Um, But I was thinking, oh, he'll probably maybe retweet it. And that's the best case scenario. So when he talked about my channel, for a full vlog the next day, that's when things escalated very quickly. But it was so cool because I had a new season of Creative Spaces TV to put out literally right after that video. So not only did they have a back catalog of content from starting from 2011 that they could go back and be like, oh, she actually does stuff, cool, subscribe. I had high quality content, really good stuff right out the gate. A month after is when I started kind of like fledgling because vlogging was really cool back then and um the only advice Casey gave me was just post a ton of videos and vlog um but you have to take it in the context of like is that right for you it right. wasn't right for me it killed me so I I did like seven months of vlogging Monday through Friday that every day God, oh my me. god it was <laughs> the worst um and I mean luckily you know it's it's cool that I have those videos because I vlogged having mice in my apartment I vlogged really my first year in New York of the climb and the journey. They're so cringe. And then I was like trying to film another season of Creative Space TV and very, so after those six to nine months, I had to have a moment, Sarah, what do you actually enjoy making? What got you here? Because it wasn't vlogging. right? It was you pursuing your tech and creativity interest and just following that rabbit trail, making videos you're stoked on, Talking about tech through the lens of other creators, that's what got you here. But you're not making that stuff anymore. So after, you know, it wasn't until honestly mid, probably end of 2017 is when I started liking my videos again. <laughs> so it was a journey.
0: Yeah, of course. It was a journey. Of course. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. You, you have
1: to have that what's the, uh, self-awareness. There you go. There's a Gary word for yeah, you. Self-aware. You just, Super you have important. to be, you have to know, like what you enjoy. And then, of course, you got to mix in what's hot during the time. What are some strategies that you can work in that y- you know viewers will enjoy? But if you don't like a little bit of it, you're not going to be consistent. No you're way. not going to have that same passion it's that brought you sentence. there. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. It's yeah.
0: no good. So you don't just make videos anymore. I mean, you've, you've branched out. um Pod, uh, a podcast, multiple yep. podcasts? A, a podcast, podcast,
1: yes. And that creative life. you're also
0: working on another project. I don't know yep. if you want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I say go. Let's do it. Because we, we're we almost there. Um, so we're building a software that is AI-driven content creation. So beyond, there's, there's a few tools out there that will like auto- Resize things for you auto caption because the transcription is such a huge pain in the butt It's not fulfilling creative work to sit there and no
0: I can only caption an
1: hour-long video And I'm sure you know people just have very sad interns sitting there doing that all day. It's not fulfilling work um, So beyond just that it's kind of like how can we take this pillar content of I'm posting two 50-minute videos every week I'm posting one hour-long podcast with video every week By the time I'm done editing those, by the time my editor for my podcast is done, like we're exhausted. Like we got to move on to the next thing, right? Um, And I'm sure you're full aware of the concept of micro content. So it's really helping you automatically make that where you can literally have something set up where the moment you upload that hour long podcast to YouTube, it automatically goes through a pipeline that you've customized and set up where it's going to put captions on it automatically, it'll resize it to where you need it. Um, But then also the magic sauce is basically how it decides to split up that content. So we're doing certain things where, um, I don't know if you'd want me to tell you specifics, but I feel like we're like six months out. So it is exciting, but (laughs) it basically, it just takes away the work of you sitting there having to search through everything uh, where you can put in a phrase. And it's going to pull that for you and do all the work. That's amazing. So, so yeah. So, I, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's I'm going to use that. That's great.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's something and the, the biggest advice that I've heard and also seen throughout what I've my entire career of five years on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 25. Tenured, I don't, yeah. don't want to act like Tenured. I have all this wisdom, but um, is... Like, you have to make something that you want to see or you need. And that, you know, with Creative Space TV, I wanted to see that. I made it. I found an audience for it. And so, ow, oh, windows in the background making the noise. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> So funny. True content creator, you can, you can tell
0: I'm not as romantic around. I guess I, I'm more of the Gary school where it's just like, oh, there's literally someone dying in the background. No, it's, right. Fine. Right. it's, it's fine. fine, it's fine, it's
1: um, fine. It's just so funny because it's been so perfect, the audio in here, and then literally people have posted up in the alleyway doing something. I have no idea what they're doing. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's so big creating something, making something that you need, someone else is going to have that need, right? So it started with me as an individual creator of like, I don't have time to make micro, Gary's screaming at me, make a hundred pieces of content a day. I can't do that. Yeah. I'm tired. I got to mm-hmm. move on with the next video. I'm a human being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if I can just like plug into something that's going to be $20, $50 a month, are you kidding me? And it's going to do all the work for me? Yes, please. Um, And then, you know, it just expands to bigger agencies and, you know, it's all in the cloud. So it's infinitely scalable. So it's, it's just, Very exciting to be – I've worked with creative tools for over 10 years to be building one. I have a ton of empathy for people who do that because, oh my gosh, like it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. You do one thing different. Oh, it breaks the whole thing, right? So um, we're lucky enough to have like money coming in from other places where we can – uh, we can do it without the pressure of people kind of breathing down our backs. So, um, it's just been a really, it's been a new experience, you totally. know, it's, it's, it's uh, cause I'm so used to working with just me or maybe me and a filmer or me and a person who edits my podcast. So working with a bigger team and, uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I feel like I've Selfishly, too, developed all these really cool relationships over the past 10 years. Um, but, and now, and it,
0: like, it's gonna come in handy b- yeah, because you can and add value on that side and it's exactly, just gonna work out.
1: Exactly. And now that I'll have something that'll even provide more value to people, I just think is like super exciting. And, and definitely um,
0: scratching an itch. I mean, shout out to Bab and I watched yes, this video as yes, a research. Yeah. You did mention that you wanna build an actual company. Yeah, that's and music
1: hustle. That, like that's tons, what music
0: yeah. hustle should
1: have been. So but don't, yeah. like,
0: don't call it switchboard, call it like.
1: Exactly, exactly. Let's use it. Maybe it
0: redirects the switchboard just as a fun there thing.
1: There you go. Oh, that's brilliant. There you go. So it kind of is, it it does um, fulfill that initial want to be a part of a bigger thing to, because um, I think when you're so used to building things, there there always is that, hmm, I wonder if I built this, what it would turn into. Um, but the nature of being a creator is it's you it's you right and so um and that's what makes it actually so amazing um but then there sometimes feel feels like there's something more out there so
0: it's exciting
1: yeah so yeah.
0: do you have tips for people listening around how to keep the creative energy alive and mm-hmm. either stay inspired or spark inspiration when you maybe? Don't feel like it because you yeah. do have to be on a relatively set schedule if you are right. going to commit to doing this as a vocation. Um, what can you speak to yeah, on that? Yeah,
1: totally. I think it's one of those things where you have to change things up every now and then. When my YouTube channel got to a point where it was like good. It's so funny how when things Become stable. You're like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, if
0: like, it ain't broke.
1: Oh, yeah, we gotta, we gotta do something else. Um, so once my YouTube channel got to like this point where it was good, I was kind of like, well, I need, I kind of need something else. And then I, I remembered how I started with like Creative Space TV. I wasn't even in those videos. It was 100% me behind the camera, filming, editing, telling the story, interviewing, and I really missed that. I, it became so. As YouTube is, it becomes about you, right? And I think sometimes when you're like editing your face and you're filming your face and it's all you, it's like you get kind of tired of your face, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, Creative Space TV, that was so fun. I got to sit there interview people for 45 minutes about how what their world is like and all of these things and I was like hey podcasting is a thing like I could just turn what I did four years ago into like a podcast let's go um and so that that's what turned into that creative life and mind you it was um just now in the next two weeks am I getting my first sponsor
0: hell yeah but
1: over 80 episodes it was just like my passion project it was just super fun connecting with people um and what i found in our world is it's and maybe me too i always hate to admit this but when i hang out with people they're they're almost it needs to feel like productive right i understand very rarely can i just like That's that's with LA. I've had meetings that are like just four hour hangout sessions, which is fine. But when you have to drive back two hours to where you came from, (laughs) it's like, oh, so podcasting is such a fun, productive way for both people. But then you get to just sit there and catch up. Like, that's why I was so excited for you because it's like. I, I kind of know what he's doing, but I really don't. So yeah. this, this would be fun <laughs> what would to just Would you say like, you'd do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this would be fun to just like hang out, catch up, and then we get a piece of content. There so it is. That's what you know. That was kind of me changing it up, creating something new, and it wasn't. It was something that I knew I could delegate. Like the most creative thing is conversation. I could. I very easily hired an editor and in, in person to edit my podcast. So, um, I knew it wasn't going to take a lot of time, but in terms of just like relationship building and then just making content, which I love, it was very fun to, um, pursue and it really scratched that itch. And of course, once that, you know, and the switchboard came along, I was like, Oh yeah, let's keep going. Here we go, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You know? So I think it's the nature of, once you can create some process around one thing and it becomes a little stable, um, I don't think there's anything wrong hopping into the next pursuit. Yeah, why not? You know, I mean, I think that's what keeps things interesting, what keeps things fresh. And then within my YouTube channel, I just, how I personally keep it fresh is I don't pay attention what the tech world is doing. I just cover what I'm into. Like, I only cover two or three different phones every year. iPhone, Samsung, Pixel, like, I'm good. I don't need to cover the right. other 20 phones that are <laughs> yeah. out there. Everyone else is doing a great job. Um, so year to year, I mean, if you look at my YouTube channel the past year, I've been really into laptops. And I can talk to a wall about laptops for hours. So that makes it fun. Next year, I don't know what I'm going to be into. Yeah, I might change fine. it up even more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what helps keep it fun for me.
0: I love that. Yeah. Last thing before I let you go. Yes. Do you have a life okay. motto, so quickly, or mantra mm. that you apply?
1: Life motto or mantra. So I've mentioned the one for me, one for you, uh, a few times, which is just in terms of content or your life, you're always gonna have to do something you don't want to do. Like I'm gonna have to create that new Samsung phone video because they're giving me early access. People want to. Okay, I'm gonna have. Let's do that. It's not gonna be torture, but maybe it's not something I'm super stoked about. And then I just balance that out with something that I'm really passionate about. I'm like, I don't care if you're not interested in this laptop or you're not interested in my podcast. I'm gonna I talk of, I am, <laughs> so there you go. So I think that's that's been like something that I've lived by. Um, but I feel like, what are some more traditional, I feel like.
0: Oh, it doesn't have to be traditional. Yeah. But- that sounds super boring.
1: I know, right. Yeah. I feel like I have lived my maybe I could come up with a
0: Mine's don't take life too seriously, you'll oh, never get out life. alive.
1: Oh, that's great. It's
0: from Van Wilder.
1: Oh, I like you say that again, I talked over you. You're fine. <laughs> I, I wanna I think they need to hear it.
0: Don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out alive. Oh
1: gosh, that's so good. Mind I mean that's drop. that's perfect right there. I think that's fantastic because I grew up in a household where I had the dichotomy of like I feel like a lot of people can relate to this where like the dad is always kind of the grumpy one. I love my dad. He, he Of course our relationship is great now. He's like he watches my videos. He's super passionate about stuff. He always texts me about like cryptocurrency and stuff. We have a great re- does relationship Does he send you like now. feedback
0: and everything? Um, <laughs> my mom fee- does. She's great.
1: Oh really? That's yeah, amazing. Pa- my most
0: passionate listener. Oh
1: my! Does Shout she? Shout out
0: mom. <laughs> she's
1: probably gonna text you about this. And be like, listen, that construction—it <laughs> was just a little much. <laughs> but in order to balance the grump- grumpiness of father growing up I had my mom who was a stay-at-home mom and just like so goofy like so so goofy and so whenever life seems like it's crumbling down I have those relationships in my life and that's now with my fiance John it's weird that's the first time I think I've said fiance Whoa, Um, you're here first I know wow um with him it's just like even though we he's a youtuber as well and like our lives can get a little like oh, my views are down. Like, let's complain about it. In spite of all that, like, it's always just so light and goofy and, like, there's always laughter. And, like, what is the point of life if you don't have laughter? I agree. You know?
0: That's a good life motto.
1: That's a uh, trademarked. Sarah Peachy said it here first. Someone that sure has said it
0: (laughs) Not nah, probably not. It's just, What's it's life yours. about?
1: All right. Selling merch. Link in bio, guys.
0: <laughs> That's a great segue. Where, where can people find you that I'm going to link to Perfect, in the box. Perfect, yes. Yeah. So
1: you can Google Sarah Peachy, um, but... You know, I'm on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all the things, come say what's up. Twitter is where I actually talk to people if you wanna say what's up, um, start a convo there. But yeah, I mean, my podcast, That Creative Life is wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Gary was my first guest Amazing. a couple of years good ago. Good um, Yes, he was very funny in that he's like, man, it's gonna suck when your first guest was the all time best guest, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> So he set it up great. We're now over 80 episodes in um, and a lot of people from the YouTube space, Peter McKinnon, Linus Tech Tips, um, Elle Mills to the business world. So I feel like, I feel like Phil is going to have to come on eventually and we can jam out about, yeah. I feel like it'd be <laughs> really interesting to sit down with you and maybe my co-founder, Adam, and yeah, we could just shoot the shit about everything.
0: Sounds great. This was fun. Thank you for doing this. Yeah,
1: this is a blast. Dope. Have fun editing this. (laughs) Fancy.
0: That was fun. That was a fun episode. Probably a different format. I'm actually recording this before... I hear the edit So that's That's a nice little caveat I'm doing all kinds of things Differently with this one On the Tartar Project Episode 27 We got weird Sarah Thank you for taking the time I truly appreciate you I truly appreciate you The listener For giving me your time as well Thank you Thank you Thank you Seth Thank you For getting a little creative With this edit I'm going to be back next Tuesday. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm kind of including this as a hedge just in case there isn't an episode. There is a slight chance I'm going to do my best to make sure there is an episode. Uh, Just might be some scheduling issues, but we'll see about that. Tune in. Hopefully it's a nice positive surprise where there is one. And with that cliffhanger hanging in the air, now I'm going to ask you to give me five stars on iTunes. Follow me on Spotify toss a link out there tweet a link out there we were very very pro twitter this episode we're pro twitter overall obviously tweet about the tartar project if you're feeling squirrely i don't know whatever you do i really appreciate anything everything just the fact that you're listening is incredible and i I am going to be a broken record about that until the 270,000th episode of the tartar
1: project so thank you and i'll talk to you next week i hope